Thanks for joining us here on the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit us at lightsandiego.com. So earlier this week, uh, there was an evening that was getting close to bedtime and uh, I'm starting to round up our four kids and say, okay, let's put on pajamas, let's brush your teeth. And uh, one of my kids was, was just having a hard time. And it seemed like the littlest things uh, were getting to her. And before you knew it, it was just, just all out, just cry fest. And if I'm totally honest with you, I'm tired. All I want is for my kids to get into bed and I'm watching my patience run out as uh, one of my daughters is just her emotional tank is running out. The whole time I'm just like, ah, emotional health. Emotions are good. This is good. And uh, it just progresses. And before you know it, it, it everything is just falling apart um, in my daughter's eyes. And as I am on the verge of getting more and more irritated, uh, I just am reminded, I believe, by the Holy Spirit that, oh, wow, this, this was a really early morning for my daughter. Oh, wow, this happened today with my daughter that would have been emotionally taxing. And, and the Lord recalls to, to mind all these things that would have added to this moment that my daughter wasn't just being disobedient. She wasn't just being um, disrespectful. She was tired. And so was I. And in this moment, I just felt the Lord just nudge me that rather than bringing correction and correcting an attitude, she needed a hug. And so I went and kind of picked her up off the ground and I put her in my arms and I scratched her back. And in this moment, as I just watched her, her body that was so tense just begin to calm. And all it took in this moment was to realize that the symptoms of what were happening really had very little to do with that moment and had everything to do with what was going on in that day. And as this is going on, I just wanted you to have this image in your mind as we go into today's topic. And today's topic is going backwards to go forward. And I just can't help but think about that sometimes the the situations that we find ourselves in our life, uh, the places that we feel discouraged, in those moments that we feel uh, that we're missing it, oftentimes it takes the, the wisdom and the clarity of our Heavenly Father to be able to understand the whole picture. And I, my hope is that in this message over the next few minutes that you would feel the loving embrace of your Father who has understanding far beyond yours that has comfort far beyond your own capacity. And as we look backwards, uh, I know that this can be a sensitive topic, that for many of us, uh, we put a lot of energy to not <laughs> look backwards, to not remember the past. But in order for my daughter to come to rest that night, uh, what it took was really letting go and finding herself in the embrace of her father. And that would just be, I guess, my prayer and my hope today 
whoever is watching this, that our posture is at the end of these next few minutes, we would find ourselves resting in the hands of the Father. Because the reality is we've all been there. We've all um, set in an address in our GPS and we've missed the exit. And then there needs to, we have to kind of go backwards in order to get right back on. And what's so amazing about uh, the Holy Spirit is that he can walk us back to moments that not only we were present, but so was he. And he can bring healing, clarity, and hope. And so that's just my goal today. If I were to give you kind of three goals, is my hope is that you would have compassion for your past, we'd have healing in our present, and hope for our future. Uh, many of you guys have heard the old saying that Jesus is in my heart, but Grandpa's in my bones. Um, and this is saying that just talks about that so much of where we've arrived is a result of our family of origin. And so for us to have a conversation around Jesus and emotional health, we have to be able to look backwards. And uh, I just want to let you know at the forefront, there's homework after this. Uh, this isn't just something we have to listen to and turn off. If we really want to engage this, this is going to take work. And we have to be able to engage it. We have to have a gentleness um, with our own process and our own story. There's a, a book that I've been reading, uh, actually someone from our community recommended, called Why Emotions Matter. Um, and it's been so helpful. It's by Tristan and Jonathan Collins. And they say this in their book. More often than not, the root issue in your emotional overreactions are things in your past. You're furious with your sibling because the joke tapped into a sore subject. You're crushingly ashamed of your boss's lack of excitement because as a child, you only felt loved by your dad when he was impressed by your accomplishments. Emotionally, you're not just reacting to the situation at hand. You're reacting to the relevant experience in your past that wounded you. I just love that line, and, and hopefully this brings a lot of clarity. You're not reacting to the situation at hand. Anybody else? You're reacting to the relevant experience in your past that wounded you. Um, I find a lot of comfort in the fact that if you scan cover to cover in the Bible, you will not find a perfect family. Have you ever noticed that? A matter of the fact, the amount of dysfunction you find within these families is astounding. If you just look at the genealogy of Jesus, uh, you'll be just see story after story of, of maybe some great moments from some people having these heroic acts or acts of faith. But the family life um, is just absolutely uh, just dismal for so many of these stories, for all of these stories. I mean, think about how Adam blamed Eve in the garden or how uh, Cain wanted to murder Abel or Noah was shamed by his own son or Abraham called his wife his sister or Jacob built his uh, little tribe's empire based on lies and deceit and then his, his sons, right? His 12 sons, which would turn out to be the 12 tribes of Israel. But we all know how this story goes, right? One of his sons was Joseph, who ended up being his favorite. I mean, talk about family dysfunction. He's praised. And then this son, who already has favoritism, um, ends up telling his brothers like all these dreams he has and this ends up being just a huge disaster where they sell him into slavery I mean this is literally could be on a sitcom um, just how dramatic this story unravels uh, but there's this there's this point at the end of Genesis literally the last chapter of Genesis 
where Joseph dies and his brothers are left in Egypt after Joseph has risen to power. And his father Jacob has, uh, was kind of their sense of peace and comfort. And so they begin to start being frightened. Like, what is Joseph going to do to us? Uh, but Joseph has this remarkable line. It says, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I am in the place, am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So the book of Genesis, which is essentially a book of just, just familial uh, brokenness, ends with this statement, what you intended for harm, God has brought around for good. And this is the hope of the gospel. This is the hope of Jesus when we bring him into the conversation about emotional health, is we understand that this is not something unique just to our modern day and age. This is something that has been around since the fall. And we see Jesus enter into these stories and bring redemption. Uh, Some of you guys might be thinking that, oh, this is, you know, well, maybe Jesus had the perfect family, but here, Jesus was perfect. But did you ever realize his family wasn't perfect? I think about James, uh, chapter, I'm sorry, John chapter 7. It says, after this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brother said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. Verse 5, for even his own brothers did not believe him. Just think about that. I mean, kind of makes sense. Can you imagine your older brother telling you that they were the son of God? I mean, you can't blame him. Uh, But there's all this tension. Matthew 12 talks about this, this scene where Mary, his mother, and his brother show up and want to kind of cut in line, say, your mother and brother are here. And Jesus responds, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And so what we see here is Jesus was born into a family that had its own dysfunction. He understands that. I mean, what what a hopeful thought that if you're watching this and you're like, man, you've never even met my family. If you were at Thanksgiving with my family, but Jesus understands. He understands betrayal. He understands hurt. But he also is the author of redemption and healing. In Pete Scozzaro's book, The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he talks about these, these 10 family commandments, these 10 things that every family of origin gives to their children as an inheritance, whether they like it or not. Um, so just, I just want to read through these 10 things that he lists in his book. He says, your relationship to money, how you handle conflict, your understanding of sex, how you handle grief and loss, um, how anger is expressed, the role of family plays, how you interact relationally, attitude towards different cultures, your definition of success, and how you deal with feelings and emotions. All, all 10 of these things you're just given and you enter into adolescence and into adulthood and you have been formed, whether you tried to break away as early as you could or whether you're still living at home right now. There is this sense where you, we've all been given, oh, this is what we have. And we have to make these conscious choices of what are we going to hold on to. But 
more likely than not, even if we're trying to be different, those things are still with us at some level. And some of you, even now, as we're talking about this, there's a temptation for this to bring up guilt or shame. Please uh, hear me out. Let's, let's continue to journey together because what Jesus has for us is so much hope. Um, I had the, the privilege of having a conversation uh, with a friend of Jen and I. Her name is Danielle Sims, and, and Danielle serves on our council. She's also a therapist here in San Diego and incredibly intelligent. Um, and so I just called her and said, like, hey, can I talk to you about this subject of going back to go forward? And she just, uh, and we just had this really insightful conversation about exactly what we're talking about today. So I just wanted to share uh, four highlights from me from that conversation of things that we should do or should not do when it comes to looking backwards towards our family of origin in order to proceed in emotional health. The first thing that she talks about is the danger of avoidance. Um, Some of you guys might already be like there right now. Uh, And oftentimes, uh, as children, we tend to avoid what's painful. But that pattern can continue to develop into adulthood. That when we face something traumatic, when we face a loss, something that's hurt us, uh, our initial reaction is to to get out of that pain as soon as possible. And that can look like avoidance. It could look like turning to a substance or a relationship or a career, not thinking about it. But one of the things that she says is avoidance is what keeps people stuck in their healing. When we, don't, uh, when we don't acknowledge, when we don't face uh, what has happened to us, we get stuck in the healing process. Another, another thing she said is that avoidance brings relief temporarily, but in the end, it slows down a greater sense of relief or healing. So I think that's a good starting point for us, is just to acknowledge all of us like to avoid things that we don't like. And that includes going backwards, looking at our family of origin, addressing those things. But our hope is that by doing so, in, with a biblical perspective, walking alongside the Holy Spirit, with our brothers and sisters, is that we would be a, arrive at a place of flourishing and abundance that Jesus has called us into. So that's the first one. There's a danger of avoidance. Second, there's power in acknowledgement. When we um, live in avoidance, when we're not willing to go back, oftentimes we're stuck with our own opinion. We, whatever narrative we come up in our head is our sense of reality. But the minute we share it, and by share it, just a couple practical things. That could look like journaling. That could look like having coffee with a trusted friend. That could be looking like contacting um, a trusted therapist. When we begin to share this, it leaves room to evaluate our perspective because we, as much as we are handed family of origin, sometimes we're handed traumas or crisis, oftentimes we just live with one unique perspective, and that's not always the best. Sometimes getting different perspective on that can bring a lot of health and healing. Secondly, it's important not just to share, but to explore. Um, One of the exercises that she was talking about that she'll do with one of her clients is she'll have them make two lists of 10. 10 of the most encouraging things that have happened uh, in their life, some of the greatest successes or achievements, and then 10 of some of the hardest moments of their life. Um, I've actually done this exercise before, and it's really brilliant. But the second part I hadn't really done before. She says, after you've made this list, 
write down the messages you took away from each of those events. What messages did each one of those moments communicate about God, about yourself, about others? And so, like I said, there's a little bit of homework, and whether this, it's this week or this month or next year, whenever you're ready, write down these lists of things that happened in your life that were beautiful and amazing, and then the 10 things that were like, man, that was really hard. And maybe you can just begin with the ones that stand out the most, but then what were the messages you walked away with? And once you've been able to articulate the messages, you have the ability to hold it up to the truth and the hope of Scripture and to say, is this true? Is this true about me? Is this true about God? Is this true about others? And to allow that to be a, a beginning place of healing. This third thing that I took away is that there is hope in honesty. Uh, one of the things that's on our website, you can literally click the button below this video, um, is this PDF file of a genogram. Um, and on that genogram, it also has questions to work through, and then it also has some resources for you, some contacts from some Christian therapists that work um, with people here at Light Church. Uh, so if you're in need of that at any point in this series, please know that that's accessible. Um, but in the genogram, it's this, um, almost like if you think of a family tree, you kind of map out your family history. And as you do that, you begin to understand where were their pain points, where was their disconnection, where were people cut off, where were people brought back in, and where are, what are patterns that I see developing from my family of origin. And once you begin to map this out and you ask these questions, you begin to have an honest look at what you were given, the, the heritage, the inheritance, if you will, that you were given. But here was her encouragement, and I couldn't agree more is that things like the genogram, things like looking back, because we have been invited by Jesus into his, his healing work of the cross, it should lead to hope and not despair. Please hear me. Honesty about our past should always lead to hope for our present, healing for our present, hope for our future. And so I wanted to just... Uh, leave you kind of one more thing as you begin to be honest and you map out your genogram and you look at all these things, uh, there is this uh, question that a lot of therapists ask. It's called the miracle question. And the miracle question is this. What would it be like if you woke up tomorrow morning and that thing that you can't get out of your mind, that painful thing, that trauma, that crisis was gone? What would it be like? And, and describe the morning. What would you feel? How would you talk to your spouse? or your roommate? Um, what kind of emotions would be going through, uh, through your mind that day? And as you begin to describe the aftermath of this metaphorical miracle, what that does is it actually begins to help us visualize and paint hope into our imagination of, oh, this is what it'd be like. And the follow-up question is, have you ever felt those things before? Have you ever felt true joy? Have you ever had a great connection with someone before? And by doing that, you realize that maybe you're farther along the healing process than you realized. But if we're not honest, then oftentimes we'll miss the hope that can exist from it. And the fourth thing that I got from our conversation is the comfort of presence. As we begin to become aware of our past and our family of origin, uh, my encouragement to you 
is to be gentle with yourself and with those around you in your family, understanding that all of us are in need of grace. But the very first thing we should do is invite Jesus into it. Invite the Holy Spirit to come and to be present with us in that process and to recognize that this is exactly what Jesus came to do, is to bring restoration. Um, And if you're here and you're like, this is all great, but how does this line up with Scripture? I'm so glad you asked. I want to read you one of my favorite passages of Scripture. This is Ephesians chapter 1, the opening line of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, which many theologians call the crown jewel of of the Pauline epistles. Listen to how he opens it up. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in Christ, the one he loves. This is beautiful. I would encourage you, if you haven't underlined this in your Bible, print this out, read these words again and again, that in love Christ predestined us for adoption, for sonship and daughtership in his good pleasure. This is what Jesus came to do, is this work of adoption. Now, that has powerful imagery in our day and age, but I would like to offer you the imagery that I would have conjured up in the minds and the hearts of the ancient Near East. We see adoption went very differently in the ancient Near East in Ephesus. A matter of fact, there was this practice called exposing children. What would happen is if a child was born with defect or a child was born and it wasn't the preferred gender, then what they could do is they could go and offer that child to the gods and leave it on a hillside as a sacrifice and it would just be taken by traffickers, it would be taken by wild animals, and that would essentially never think about the child again. Well, the early church is recorded to to immediately start rescuing these children these exposed children, and they'd bring them into their family, and these children were raised. The children that that everyone had kind of pushed aside were raised within the church. So can you imagine the, the imagery, the emotion that would have been stirred up if you were one of those kids brought up in this environment and, you, and you're hearing this letter read out loud from Paul that from the beginning of time, God had chosen and predestined you for adoption. You weren't messed up or accidental, and you might have had no control into the family that you were born into, but God always had a family that he wanted you in, he was calling you into. And this would have brought radical reassurance and peace to those who would have been listening to this. But there's a couple other things that are really significant about adoption in this ancient culture. One of them is that if you were a son and you did something wrong, you were allowed to be disowned by your father. But if you were adopted, you were never allowed to be disowned. You had been chosen, which means that you could never outdo that disowning. And so here is my my hope for you if you're watching this and we're giving you some tools and some ideas of, hey, 
maybe it's a good time for you to go back and to look why why are we the way that we are why do we overreact the way that we overreact what are these signposts telling us and as we go back to recognize something so powerful is that because of the work of Jesus we have been adopted into a new family do you have a family of origin yes but we also have a new family that has been created because of Christ Jesus and if you accept that invitation to step into that you walk in this adoption as a son or a daughter you'll never be disowned you are welcome to have a new name and a new inheritance so here's something I would love for you to do as we close would you ask the question as you look back at your genogram and you look at all these things and these patterns maybe make a list next to it what are some of the inheritance the the heritage what are some of the characteristics of God's family? What are some of the things that define you as a follower of Jesus, as an adopted daughter, as an adopted son? You belong to him. You belong to us. We are now this misfit group, this mosaic of all these broken people who have come together and we belong now to him because of the work that he has done, which means that not only do we get to see healing and hope from our past, but we get to learn how to walk in our new identity and our new inheritance in the family of God and would we choose by the strength of the spirit to walk in that every single day before I pray please know if this is stirring things up for you um, you're not alone Uh, we would love a to pray for you always would love to pray for you Uh, secondly If this feels too daunting for you to do with your open table or with your friends and you would like the help of a Christian therapist, um, like I said, on our resource page of the genogram and resources, there's a list of four different licensed therapists who love Jesus and who've worked with people at Light Church before. I would highly encourage you to look into that. If you are not able to get therapy simply because of a financial thing, reach out for us as well. We'd love to be able to help scholarship or sponsor uh, you in that way because we believe that everyone in our community should have access to healing. And if this is a part of your healing that God is wanting to do, we don't want anyone to miss out on that. Um, So please let us know if there's any way we can help you and aid you along that journey. Um, But also, don't do this alone. Join an open table, reach out to a friend, uh, find a way to, to make sure that this is something that you can have the strength and support of a brother or sisters around you. Uh, let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you came into this world and lived among and came out of a genealogy and a nuclear family that was dysfunctional and full of their own issues. Lord, you get it. But Lord, thank you also that you have made a new family. Lord, help us to have the courage, help us to have the hope that we can go back in order to go forward, Lord Jesus. That we can understand that some of the ways that we've reacted and responded in life might just be like my daughter who's who's acting as a result of the day that laid out before her, that we would feel you scoop us up in your arms and we would be able to rest upon you. Lord, I pray for healing, the healing work that you've begun to do just to begin to take root in people's hearts and lives. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks for joining us here on the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit us at lightsandiego.com. Thank you.